0: Detroit Beard Collective is a proud sponsor of Creaking Door Paranormal Radio,
1: powered by SlackjohnPunks.com. Guys, tired of trying to make that burly beard of yours look and smell good? Then check this out. Straight out of the Motor City, where they know a thing or two about being tough, comes Detroit Beard Collective. Specializing in making that facial hair look good with products like beard butter, beard oils, and soaps, specialty combs, and so much more. Come check out the line today at Detroit Beardcollective.com. dbc takes pride in using detroit and michigan-based companies and ingredients in all aspects of their product development and manufacturing as they continue to build detroit's premier grooming company even burly dudes like to look and smell good and dbc will make that happen do yourself and your badass beard a favor and log on to detroitbeardcollective.com and check out all the amazing products they offer and when you're ready to check out use promo code sj to receive 10% off. Detroit Beard Collective. Cleaning this world up one beard at a time.
0: Welcome back inside for another edition of Creaking door, paranormal radio. Tim is that Ellis... where we're at? Yeah. Well, this is the. I opened a door and we were here. So, yeah, not... honestly, dude, I don't know where that. <laughs> they forgot to lock it again. They did. They should know by now when we're creeping around the neighborhood. But uh, yeah, Tim Ellis and Brad Blair are with you, ready for another edition of Creaking Door, Paranormal Radio. Thanks for coming on inside and joining us today. And uh, had a lot of great feedback from our last show, which was a lot of fun.
2: It was a lot mm-hmm. of fun. It was nice to finally get somebody on here, Connor Randall, with us to talk about the state. Stanley
0: Hotel. Right. One of America's great haunted hotspots. Really is. And uh, we, you know, we just, like we even said in the show, uh, the, the last show, we just scratched the surface. There's a whole nother, there's at least another show with Randall that we can bring him back. In. Yeah. So yeah. keep watching. That will be
2: coming up. Speaking of shows, wow. I, I opened a can of worms I did not expect to. My son is 10. <laughs> yeah. And he is not at all into the paranormal, which isn't all bad. Yeah. I, I don't push anything. And all of a sudden, he creeped in one day, and I had Mountain Monsters on. Oh, I thought you
0: were going to say something else. All right. Okay, Mountain Monsters is fine.
2: Mountain – well, it's not.
0: (laughs) Now, he's kind of hooked now, and they
2: had a marathon going on this Mm -hmm. week. So he was pretty excited. I I let him come in. We, of course, get uh, press screeners from different shows coming up. Right. And we got sent the press screener for – this coming weekend as we record uh, the season premiere of Mountain Monsters right and wow i the show it, it's a guilty pleasure yeah. it, it is entertaining it is entertainment
0: that's all it is though
2: and, and you and i had the opportunity to hang out with these guys down at Mothman Festival and we really Festival. hung out with them and we did <laughs> we they they were at our hotel we yeah. sat and uh, had beverages with them for many a, many for yes. a couple of nights great guys a lot of fun but Wow, to put this out there as reality television yeah. It's and and it seems to be uh, getting even further off track on the next season. I I, I don't want to say don't watch it because it, it is entertaining. <laughs>
0: Laying on the couch with a hangover, the show's great. but yeah. well, No, and that, and that's <laughs> just it. It's, it's it. They they know what their show is. Right. They get it. They were kind of the flagship, quote unquote,
2: paranormal. Show on Destination America mm-hmm. when Destination Back, America yeah. started up. They've been going for four or five years. They really now. have. And it's, yeah, it, it's interesting. I enjoy the show. But, man, to, uh,
0: yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What blew our mind, but, I I mean, I get it, because their whole show is based out of the West Virginia area, but when we were there for the Mothman Festival. Oh, God, what did they have, a
2: five-hour wait to meet the guys? It was
0: around the corner. People stood in line all friggin' day for these guys. It it was was insane. It
2: it seemed to be one of the biggest draws of the 50th annual Mothman Festival. It was one of the biggest draws
0: I think you and I have ever seen at any given event. Nice guys. Yeah, very very nice. To guys. hang out
2: with, but wow! I mean, I just <laughs> yeah. I said, uh, "Caden, come on up. Let's uh, let's watch the new Mountain Monsters." I said, "This is a treat because this got sent. It's not airing until this weekend." Right. Oh, Dad! All right. Well, he was just glued to it. Was thinking, he? Oh, wow! <laughs> that's this is awesome. where where it's going to end. I don't know, but they've <laughs> they've mixed uh, soap opera with crypto reality television, and there it is.
0: Hey, give them credit. Their ratings I, obviously are there. I enough will, anyway.
2: Well, yeah. And that is yeah. speaking of Destiny nation America. Now we just got the press release in yesterday yeah. that the ghost brothers which they tried to send to TLC.
0: And I remember channel. when we heard that they were going to TLC, I actually, there, I, there was a part of me that's like, I, I lost a little bit of credit for TLC. Because well, when they brought in Amy and, and Adam, they were you could tell they were trying for something different with they the were. paranormal side.
2: They had never done anything with the paranormal. Right. They brought in Amy and Adam with Kindred Spirits, mm-hmm. which was originally supposed to air on Destination America. Right. Which they're obviously all affiliated. And they thought it had enough to it that they wanted to try it with their demographic. Well, that went over well enough that they bumped Paranormal Lockdown with Nick Groff and Katrina Weidman. And so now they've kind of thought they found this paranormal niche. Well, apparently Ghost Brothers, which it's, you know, I I look at that show and I tried to watch it a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And it's just they treat their investigations like a big joke.
0: Yeah, exactly. Where
2: where obviously Amy and Adam are very sincere and and Nick and Katrina very serious investigators and Mm -hmm. then you put these three guys in and they just, uh, you know. And that's what it is. It is. They're trying to
0: get a comedy side of it without saying they're a comedy show. But it really is a comedy show. And
2: and it really bombed in the ratings on TLC from what my sources have told us. Right. Yeah, so now that, uh, we, we got the press release yesterday. That is taking a two-week hiatus, and then it will be back on Destination America. All right, well. Which Ghost it probably belongs it in,
0: in with the Mountain Monsters crowd. So. There you go. Maybe Ghost Brothers and Mountain Monsters can be our headliners for Paracon next that year. That would be fun. You never know. <laughs> it <laughs> they, really would be they, fun. You know
2: what? They would all probably be par-
0: fun to party with. Absolutely. So we know the Mountain Monsters guys mm-hmm. are.
2: But yeah, yeah. no. Uh, apparently, they pushed it to where... They thought they were going to be able to bring in a new demographic with this on TLC. Yeah. And I,
0: I guess it's it's the more serious crowd that I think everything is boiling back down to. I'm not surprised with the the type of crowd that TLC had before they even got into the whole paranormal side of things. It was a more, if you will, mature crowd. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to be tiptoeing into the field of the paranormal, I get it with kindred spirits. I even yes. get it with paranormal lockdown to a point. Absolutely. But not Ghost Brothers. No. No, that just was not the right fit. No, they're, they're both They're
2: both serious, sincere series, and then mm-hmm. you put in kind of the, the jokesters right. of the field right, right now. So, yeah, and that did not take with their crowd. So, if you are a fan of Ghost Brothers, don't freak. They're not going off the air. No. They are just moving back to Destination, Destination America.
0: America. There you go. All right, so there you go. That's your uh, latest update on the, uh, on the entertainment side of the paranormal. But... We still got to jump into the news. We do. So let's do it. It's that time where we jump into Paranews, taking a look at the world of the weird and strange. And let's keep with entertainment on All this. All right. Some of the best entertainment.
2: A little bit of rock and roll, a little bit of Jimi Hendrix. Purple Haze, baby. Of, yeah, a little Purple Haze mentioned yes. in here coming out of the county press. Paranormal investigators are analyzing mysterious activity around the famous Jimi Hendrix statue at the Isle of Wight. One of uh, Hendrix's last performances ever in the UK took place at the Isle of Wight Festival in 1970. And the bronze statue, located in the island's Dimbola Museum... Did you just kill me? Nope. What the hell? You're good. <laughs> just, just messing around, but I no, didn't kill yeah, you. Yeah. Get your hands off that. <laughs> Dimbola Museum and Gallery's garden was erected in 2006. Islander Joe Hayden said he heard music coming from the area around the statue, and TV show Most Haunted has been contacted Most Haunted. about it. <laughs> is Most that still ha- on? I didn't think it was. Maybe wow. it just is in Britain. Britain now again, probably. I, I do not believe it's aired in the U.S. anymore. Surprised it's not not Destination Uh, America. Maybe next season, but... Barely a night goes by when we aren't serenaded by the spirit of Jimi Hendrix and his famed guitar, he said. Wow. Just as I nod off, it starts. If it's not Purple Haze, it's all along the Watchtower (laughs) in all their psychedelic glory. The performance might only last a few minutes, but other nights it goes until dawn. It's not particularly scary... But after a few nights of no sleep, it does get frustrating. I'm not really a believer in ghosts, but this makes you really think. It was a really weird experience and freaked me out a bit. Apparently, most haunted have been contacted and are keen to come down to the island and find out what is going on.
0: So, Well, at least Jimmy's spirit is playing the hits. It is. If he was playing a deep cut every night, that would be annoying. <laughs> well, there are worse acts that
2: I could think of being haunted yeah. by than, than Jimi Hendrix That's himself. true. So, very true. Yeah, on the Isle of Wight. So it's, uh, I, I'm going to kind of follow up on this. That'd be a fun one to watch. Very intriguing, and you, you have to think there there may be some logical yeah. explanation on this. But hey, if, if Jimi Hendrix's ghost is showing up playing at a statue every night, I might buy
0: a ticket and I, go, go hang for a weekend. I, if I was this guy, I would... Start selling tickets to I the would, show. I would Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. All right. My first story here this evening inside of Para News is a very interesting story that I came across here uh, the other day. And uh, it's just it's bizarre. Authorities in Brazil are baffled by the bizarre disappearance of a college student obsessed with a cult and aliens. Bruno Borges went missing late last month from the town of Rio Bronco, leaving behind a jaw-dropping bedroom and many unanswered questions, including where he is today. (laughs) Footage of the 25-year-old man's bedroom is simply breathtaking as Borges covered the walls with coded text and odd diagrams. Additionally, the room also sports a quite large and rather creepy statue of Goriadano Bruno, a 16th century philosopher and theorist who expounded upon the possibilities of space including exoplanets and was burned at the stake largely because of his beliefs. (laughs) Now, while that Bruno is indeed a fascinating character, his contemporary namesake of sorts clearly boasts quite the story as well. Inspired by the famed philosopher, Borges Reportedly told family members and friends that he was working on a series of books that could transform the world. Big things are coming, man. Big things. Big things. These books, also written in code, were left behind by Borges who he, uh, when he vanished. Bound and arranged, they say, in a very unsettling manner, reminiscent of the Heaven's Gates cult, the way they bound up their literature. Now, the contents of Borges' proverbial masterworks have uh, purportedly been decoded by a computer expert in Brazil, but the writings have yet to be revealed aside from a few vague sentences. Now, according to his sister, the young man had locked himself in his room for 24 straight days working on what he called his project shortly thereafter. He simply vanished without a trace. Now it sounds like there might be more issues with this guy, and that's kind of what this story kind of went on to say. That you're locking
2: yourself in your room for 24 days.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, The critics, the critics of it, the the other side of, of this are basically saying that they believe, you know, he probably had some type of mental health issues. Um, but, but who's to say? Yeah, um, who's some, to say this didn't lead to it? Or yeah, or, or or yeah, that's just it. Or did he start to stumble upon something that? People didn't want him to discover anymore. You never know. Very interesting. But he is like he has just vanished. There's no signs of him yet. As and that's of today. bizarre. Yeah.
2: That's, yeah I, I love hearing some of these stories. Right. Not from, yeah, I would hate to be involved with the families and people that have to deal with this. But, but very intriguing stuff. It, it is. Yeah. It is. So let's, uh, coming back into uh, the scientific realm here. All right. Is science going to explain away? the Loch Ness Monster. No! Mm-hmm. well, I, I would hate to see that, but Gizmodo site's uh, talking about UFOs, Bigfoots, the Loch Ness Monster, all of these mythologies that are out there, and, and is science finally finding a way to explain one away? Now, one New Zealand researcher hopes to use science to shed light on the lore of Loch Ness. Neil Gemmel is a geneticist at the University of Otago, whose lab focuses on ecology and conservation. His group uses what's known as environmental DNA to monitor marine biodiversity, which, with a few liters of water, allows them to detect traces of thousands of species. The same technique he proposes might be used to determine whether Scotland's Loch Ness Monster has anything unusual swimming around in it. Loch Ness. Say, for example, the mysterious giant. Environmental DNA works very well in aquatic environments, Gemmel told Gizmodo. If there is something really different about Loch Ness, this technique would find it. The Loch Ness Monster, more fondly referred to as Nessie, is an aquatic creature which reportedly inhabits a lake called Loch Ness in the Scottish Highlands. Mentions of a monster in the vicinity first appeared in the 6th century, but it was brought to popular attention in 1933 after a couple reported seeing a most extraordinary form of animal cross the road in front of their car. Evidence of its existence, though, has remained largely anecdotal, relying on a few uh, heavily disputed videos, photos, <laughs> sonar images. Anyhow, it goes on to say the environmental DNA works uh, very well in these situations because all large organisms lose cells as they move through their environment. If Nessie is in fact real, no amount of stealthiness could hide its DNA from showing up in such a test. So
0: I, I get it now. I understand what they're saying. Yeah, that's very it's, interesting. Um, you would think Nessie would be dropping cells here and there. So have they actually ran the test yet, or they're just saying they could? They, they,
2: It sounds like they're gearing up to. Okay. It sounds like they're gearing up to run these. So my question is, if they do find something that's out of the norm, mm-hmm. What are they going to say? Right. Is this something they're going to come up and say, well, there is something here that we can't verify. We don't know what it is. Or are they just going to use this as another way to write off the supposed phenomena of the Loch Ness Monster?
0: Sure. Sure. But, I mean, if they just, you know, even if they come back and say, well, we didn't find any type of abnormal Mm -hmm. cells. Well, you know, I mean, that doesn't mean that Nessie's not... Her her genetic makeup is not part of something that's already there. There you go. So who knows? But hopefully they can come back and say something cool.
2: It it would be fun if they came back and said they're our cells from some prehistoric. Yes. Wouldn't that
0: be awesome? That would but, be awesome. But then
2: you're gonna bring up the the uh, skeptics and everyone else it's oh, yeah. gonna shoot that down. So yeah, but
0: that's fine. I would love to see a headline like that from this company and obviously if it happens, we'll find it. It's, and we'll an- it. it's another story yeah. we will be following up on. Absolutely. Our final story here tonight in Para News is talking about that uh, very infamous toy, if you will. Some people call it a toy, some others say don't touch it. The infamous talking board Ouija. So, strange footage shows students screaming and writhing around on the floor after using a Ouija board. The disturbing video was taken in a school in Laurel, Columbia, that shows the teenagers in a distressed state. I actually saw the video, and it's not anything that looks canned or fake. I mean, I'm not saying that the kids aren't faking it, but what I'm saying is I don't think there were... All these kids who said, this is the video we're going to shoot and this is what we're going to do. Because it Mm -hmm. doesn't seem like any of them are really acting in any way. Now, they can be heard shouting, the devil is going to take me. The devil is going to take me. The students, roughly 20 of them, use a Ouija board on a mobile phone app to talk to the dead. The two-minute clip shows the scary aftermath of the game, which is supposed to allow participants, of course, to speak to the dead, Mm -hmm. the Ouija board. They were taken to a health center and then a church when the doctors could not come up with any type of scientific reason for their behavior. Juan Carlos Barreto, bishop of the nearby city of Cadoba, said it's known in a lot of Colombia areas and other parts of the world that these games, such as Ouija, have consequences for the normal life. Now, the footage was captured by onlookers on their mobile phones. Police are investigating the incident. Again, uh, the video is out there. Uh, We can grab it and throw it up on Facebook, which we will after the show. And you can decide for yourself, but it's a very, very interesting video to watch for sure. It
2: seems a lot of these cases, stories, what have you, come out of some of these, not necessarily third world. Right. But, but uh, it seems a lot of Latin America countries. We hear a lot of these out of Mexico and Belize. Where they're still, still much more superstitious very much than we are. So. Yeah. And maybe, maybe they just get more... Down there than we give it in the U.S. I don't know, but it seems yeah. it seems like a, a large
0: percentage of the stories that we cover that are similar to From this that area. come out of that region, right? And when I read stories like this too, it also reminds me, of course, of the Salem Witch Trials, right? Where a group of young kids playing around all of a sudden start in the courtroom acting like they're possessed, and so it's just it's very interesting to see the similarities in those two. Absolutely. So, well, there you go. That's going to take us to the end of our Paranews, news, and we ended on a story about Ouija, Brad. Which is very appropriate for tonight. That's right, because we're very excited to be welcoming our guests back inside the creaking door. It's been uh, quite a while since Robert Merch, A.K.A. Merch, has joined us here. I think he was in our first handful of shows, which goes back two plus years. So. He was he was with us uh, quite. A, as a matter of fact, I think he was with us in the old building, the old studio. He was. Um, now so that you mention that, it's been quite a while since Merch mm-hmm. has joined us. We're very excited to get him in here. Well overdue. Yes, the leading authority on the subject of Ouija. Robert Merch, aka Merch, will join us up next right here inside Creaking Door, powered by slackjawfunks.com Nestled inside historic Old Village in Plymouth, Michigan, sits a beer lover's destination, Liberty Street Brewing Company. Since 2008, Liberty Street Brewing Company has been crafting delicious beer the right way, brewed in small amounts to ensure quality and maintain freshness. The moment you walk in, your experience is their number one concern. Caring staff, updated and changing list of delicious beer, and a short list of regular food are all waiting for you. Once you walk in, you won't want to leave. Or grab a growler of your favorite Liberty Street Brewing Company beer and head home to enjoy the latest episode of Creaking Door Paranormal Radio. Liberty Brewing Company in Plymouth, Michigan, giving you the freedom to choose a better beer. Welcome back inside Creaking Door, Paranormal Radio. Tim Ellis and Brad Blair with you. And Brad, as we sit heading into the break, very excited to have our guest back inside with us. We were saying uh, before we went to break, it's been quite a while. He was one of our original guests when we started almost a couple years ago now. Yeah, and
2: I, you know, always excited to have him on. I'm, I'm such a big fan of Ouija. Yes. You know that. And, and just going back to... Uh, kind of childhood days and our real delving into the paranormal, Ouija was a big part of that.
0: It really was. And, uh, you know, we've got wonderful, wonderful stories of uh, being, as you said, younger mm-hmm. in our age and and having <laughs> our experiences with Ouija. But man, if there's anyone who knows about the experience with Ouija, it is this guy. He is the world's foremost collector, historian, and expert on the Ouija and the talking boards. Please welcome back inside Creaking Door Paranormal Radio. He likes to go by merch. His real name, Robert Merch. Welcome inside merch how are you sir
3: thank you guys so much for having me that's the best intro ever i want to have you at every party
0: i ever host we'll record it for you how does that sound (laughs) awesome awesome good stuff man well how have you been i know we've had a chance to talk on and off through text and uh we we it finally worked out where we're going to have you with us in michigan this summer for the michigan paranormal convention but other than that we haven't had a chance to really talk talk like this how have things been
3: Things are great. Uh, You know, I made a big move uh, from the East Coast. I was born and raised in the East Coast, um, and we moved to Denver. And it's been amazing. So we, we got here in September and we've had the mildest winter ever it's oh been 80 my, degrees most days. oh <laughs> my Here, goodness so it's been pretty crazy
0: don't rub that in too much on no, the rest of us No, right we're still looking at snow <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: yeah. so but so so colorado or denver has, has has treated you well then is that right
3: amazing yeah it's amazing it's also the place where the woman who named the ouija board is buried after you know years and years of hunting um we found out there was a woman who was involved in the whole story the mother of the ouija board she's actually buried here and so people are making lots of jokes like i was called here you know and so <laughs> well, well um
0: i was just gonna ask you that though i mean is there a part of you do you have that kind of spiritual side of you where you feel you know what maybe this was some type of divine intervention i mean your whole life now yeah. is dedicated to ouija and the history of it and you're so close with the family now do you feel this had anything to do with it
3: uh you know i I think it's. I. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping it's luck. I hope it's a good thing. But um, I'm turning the whole house basically into a Ouija museum, uh, along with signs, and we just had shelves and lighting put in. So my my life is pretty dedicated to this stuff. And uh, the fact that there are there are quite a few families involved, and I've gotten to know and, and made friends with, you know, all of them over the years of the originators of the Ouija board. And so I think it's only fitting that. Um, You know that i'm here and she's here at the same time and we're we're kind of working on a project to do something because she's she was cremated and she was buried but she's in a plot with other people and her name is not on the gravestone so we're, we're trying to figure out the family is is willing to let us you know put in a gravestone but uh, may prefer to actually have us uninter her ashes and then do something special just for her and her husband. So you wow, do know, wow. man. Yeah, a little weird.
2: So, <laughs> so, so, merch. When you made the move, did you load all of your collection up into your vehicles, or did you force FedEx to uh, take all of these on a truck and haul them cross country?
3: <laughs> you know, this was it, this is great, and I should have provided you with some pictures you could have thrown up on your website. Um, So there were about 100, I believe, um, I'm looking at the notebook, there was 173 bins, big, big bins of Ouija boards, just for it, and um, because it was a corporate move for my husband, uh, who was that's the reason why we moved? Was his job? They had to pack everything, and we went through multiple <laughs> movers who just walked in, not touching. So there was a huge truck that just took what was considered high value, and that's my Ouija board collection, along with original photographs and magazine covers and sheet music and just every research, everything I've ever done. That left a couple of months before we did, and it was a it was terrifying to me to see like 25 years. Drive down the road.
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> man. It, it, I'm sure. It must have been when you got there. Finally, when you finally arrived and you saw them, it must have been like, did you embrace it like a child?
3: <laughs> yeah. You know, it was. So th- there was like three months that we were without anything. Literally, just a week's worth of clothes. It's Our three dogs and dog beds, and that's all we had. And so it was actually pretty liberating not to be responsible for anything. You know, like I, I actually was had more heart palpitations when everything got delivered. It was like, oh my God, there's so much stuff. Where's it all going to go? <laughs> now we so, gotta um, pack it. Yeah. <laughs> It's been fun going through it, especially as I'm setting up um, these exhibits in the house uh, all over. It's been fun to kind of find stuff that I haven't seen in a long, long, long time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, on top of that, too, merch you've had quite the year of adding to this collection. Because not only do you have your Ouija board collection, but you've also got a prop collection, too. But, man, oh, man, some of the stuff that you've received in the last year here that have to do with the Exorcist, the TV show, but even the movie itself. let t- share some of that stuff with you that you've received.
3: Yeah, so you know, I'm really, really lucky, and it. it I guess it, it. must mean something when people throw stuff at you for free. <laughs> um, you know, I'm really as a as a collector. I I'm used to buying things, and you know, after 25 years, my name has kind of really, you know. In Hollywood, at least, if you're looking for a Ouija board consultant, I, I've been the guy that they've been calling, you know, for a long time. Not so, a bad gig to have. Um, yeah, it, it's cool because you work with lots of different production companies and you learn a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm really, you know, it's incredibly humbling for people to want your expertise, whether it's working on you know movies or TV shows. And um, a couple of years ago, I did Exorcism Live, so we got to go to the the house where right. supposedly the, um, you know, the real ex- the case that the uh, exorcism was based off really happened, and so we got to play the Ouija board there with Chip copy, which is always hilarious. Um, <laughs> yes. Anything yep. to do with Chip, <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> so um, so doing that, I, I kind of got in touch, back in touch with some people I hadn't spoken with in a long time, and that was um, William Blatty, who's now deceased, and um, you know William Fre- Freakin, uh, who's a writer and director for uh, the movie The Exorcist as well. And, and through all of that talking, actually, I received uh, a copy of the script, the original screenplay of The Exorcist oh, with wow. everyone's signature in it. So it was, um, it was pretty cool because I had interviewed these guys a long time time. time ago about the real case of the exorcist and so it wasn't the first time we spoke and I I think to most people it's funny to see someone do something for more than half of my life. You know, like more than half of my life I've been obsessed with this so they knew me from kind of a bratty little kid to, you know, a bratty older kid.
0: pretty much Uh, well they they, keep keep, they keep you around so there might be there must be something there they like so that's good
3: yeah I I guess you know I'm I'm lucky again lots of opportunities really neat opportunities and then they did the Exorcist TV show and they hit me up a couple months before it hit the public that they were going to do it and so I I knew there was a tie to the real movie although they didn't play it that way in the TV show for people who are watching kind of a spoiler alert here um, it, it it isn't for a few episodes that you figure out that there's an attachment to the actual right. book right. and movie. Uh, and so I knew that, and they had asked me, hey, we're not sure if we're going to do the Ouija board scene, but if we do, we want you to you know, send us a board that matches what was used in the movie. And so I sent them a few, and they were really great. Gina Davis, they took pictures, they all signed it, they sent me back a letter and some props from the movie, I mean the TV show, and it's pretty cool.
2: That was such and a well-done
0: show, too. I really enjoyed that.
3: I hope it comes back. It I haven't been. They haven't decided whether it's got a season two or not. I hope mm-hmm. it does.
0: Yeah, I do, too. And, and you had mentioned, too, merch. you know, the, it, it did take a few episodes uh, to realize. And for those who knew the movie and knew the book, mm-hmm. that was just a wonderful surprise because the oh, TV show on it its own was entertaining, and then all of a sudden you realize they have that tie-in, and you're like, mm-hmm. dang, that is cool. Yeah, that big twist. Yeah.
3: Well, and it was great because it's... I mean, Linda Blair is the, you know, it. it her face is synonymous with right. The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. And so because, I think they did it brilliantly because they let you really get into the Gene Davis character of Regan. And mm-hmm. it was so, you were, you'd already kind of liked the character and kind of, you know, believed the character. And so when you found out she was... Regan-only older, it, it wasn't like, no, that's not Linda Blair, <laughs> you know, <but> they <laughs> right. did it well enough so that they tied you, and that, that's just writing, yep. you know, and, and again, it's, it's really cool to be called up by all these people I have no idea, you know, I don't even know how they find me, really, you know, like, it's just weird <laughs> to get phone calls and emails saying, we to consult on this project, and I I worked on the, the Ouija series, the two movies right. um, mm. by Blumhouse and Universal, and um, Blumhouse, you know, sent me, and then I brought back for the on tele, you know, for when we did the premiere, they sent me the prop board that's actually used in the the uh, movie as well. So, cool. yeah, I've got a whole collection of boards that were used in TV shows and movies, and that's just kind of a cool pop culture y really mm-hmm.
0: way to look at it. It really And Witchboard, Board, too. You got your connection to the movie Witch Board as well with some prop stuff. So, it's really and, awesome.
3: Yeah. So, you know, my, my cool, I don't know if I told you this because I, I don't think the last time I was on it had happened yet, but. Um, I got to meet Kevin Tenney, who is the writer director of uh, Witchboard One, Witchboard Two, and was um, slightly involved in Witchboard Three. He um, is a huge hero of mine because when I was 13 years old, my grandmother snuck me in to see Witchboard when I wasn't supposed to see it. (laughs) Nice. And it's kind of yeah, it's kind of how it started for me, right? And um, when I went to do the DVD host the DVD party for the first Ouija movie in L.A kevin Tenney lives there and we've been you know we started like way back when it started as you know like a pen pals and emails and facebook and um basically we got to meet for the first time and so it was really bizarre to, to meet your childhood hero and then you know we, we've met again and he's given me many props and different things from the movie so his, his, his which board will be very well represented in this museum. Awesome. And then, uh,
2: aside from the, the second Ouija movie coming out this past year, it's been a big year for Talking Boards. You had uh, the world's largest Ouija yeah. show up on uh, yeah. the Grand Midway Hotel in Pennsylvania. You had the uh, the big Ouija display at the San Francisco airport, which blew my mind when I saw Me that too. online. Me too. And now Travel Channel yeah. just hit a uh, Ouija special on mysteries at the museums, so. Which he,
0: you helped with that as well.
2: Yeah.
3: A lot going on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was involved in um, the SFO uh, exhibit, which is awesome. I still love seeing stuff about that. Actually, Adam Lambert from uh, American Idol just right. tweeted about it. It was oh, hilarious. Cool.
0: That's very cool. Um,
3: so you never know who's going through the airport. But, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I was involved in at the Mysteries at the Museum, and I taped uh, an episode for Investigation Discovery. They did a, an episode on a famous wage of murder. Oh. So, um, yeah, it's just, it, it's crazy. Ouija ports are everywhere again.
0: They really are, and, and it's it's becoming pop culture again. It's getting to the point where I think, it, and it's always going to have that kind of stigma, if you will, but it's getting to the point where at least people are, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem as as in the shadows mm-hmm. as it used to be.
3: yeah. It always surprised me, and you know, I worked really hard and with the Talking Board Historical Society uh, to really kind of get rid of that because Talking Board evolved and came from the spiritualist movement, which was really just the early you know predecessors of ghost hunters right. and, and people who were you know going looking for any proof of the other side, and so it's weird to see the group that it come from push it away and say it's bad but all this other stuff is good and I I think that's what's been happening is that people have been asking real logical questions like well wait a minute you know what's the difference between doing this and that and and why is it you know a ghost or some evil entity can get me more if I do it this way and if I do it this way. Right.
2: Well, it still gets to me that any time we put up any type of Ouija story on our social media sites for Creaking Door, there are always a handful of people that say stay away from it. That's evil. Don't do don't have anything to do with it. And it's there's still that certain stigmata though that, that is stuck to this. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and I and I don't want to get rid of it because it, it it's what Keep selling it, you know. I mean, there, sure. there is yeah, yeah. You know, Ouija has its own, uh, you know, urban legends and its own life. And I don't want to, as much as I, I want to know every single thing that ever happened about the Ouija board and how it came about. Um, I don't want to demystify the mystifying oracle because, mm-hmm. you know, the difference between the Ouija board and any other spirit communication tool, whether it's modern or it's really old, is that we give the board a lot of power. We say it's the board. The board is the portal. Get the board out of the house. It's really just the telephone you happen to be using. You know, you don't hear too many people being like, man, I gotta get this K2 meter out of my house. Ever since (laughs) I used it, it's been causing all this craziness. Like, you just don't hear that. So Ouija boards, we give it a lot of power. And once you give something your power, all kinds of crazy stuff can happen
0: yeah absolutely i, I still have it i can still hear her voice our, brad and i sitting in church school and our church school teacher finding out <laughs> that he and i are using ouija and she's just lecturing us in front of the whole class so what do we do we went out and used the ouija right after i mean it's just it, that's that's oh, <laughs> that's what it has in society you know mm-hmm. uh merch i want to uh, ask you about something that you posted about a week ago i think it has been now on your facebook page mm-hmm. probably one of the most creepiest awesome artifacts that i I think anyone could uh, could get in the mail uh it's actually it's it's part of a, a grave site go ahead and tell us about that
3: yeah so um you know a few years ago again total chip coffee story all my weird <laughs> things happen with chip whether they're good or bad um so chip had invited me down a few years ago to uh baltimore he was he was doing one of his galleries and his shows um he was on tour and he asked me to come down, and because that's where the Ouija was born, is in Baltimore and first made, he asked me to kind of come down and open for him, which was awesome. Nice. And uh, I love Baltimore, I'm down there all the time, and a chance to hang out with Chip and, and have some fun. And while I was there, the uh, the Fold family, the family, the William Fold who was an original employee and um, owner in the company, and then kind of became the owner, and he and his family made Ouija boards from 1890, to 1966, when they sold it to Parker Brothers. Um, they were special guests in the audience, these relatives. And they came up to me afterwards, and I've got like my table of boards, and, and they're like, hey, um, we forgot to tell you, uh, do you want to pick up William Fold's footstone? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, you know, we've, we've had a couple deaths in the family and now the plots are getting full. And the only way to keep this footstone is to put it over people. And we don't really want to do that. And so, you know, it's going to cost us a lot of money to remove it. So we were just going to take a bunch of hammers and smash it up and throw it oh, away. Geez. And I'm like, no, they're like, no. They're like, well, we, we thought you'd want it. So the next day, I mean, literally we had one day to get it. So. The next day we drove up with a bunch of my friends, um, and they all helped and, and they loaded the seven hundred and fifty pound marble wow. Masonic William Fold footstone. Um, and it has followed me from Baltimore to Boston, from Boston to Denver, and now it's going in this museum. So
2: so, so yeah, what what do you do? Where exactly do you display a footstone <laughs> in your house? I and mean, is this by the uh, you know, is it is it a garden decoration
3: or what do we do with that? Yeah, no, no, it's inside um, for sure. I brought it inside. Um, I also have the stone of uh, Charles Kennard is the man who claimed to invent the Ouija board, and he he first started manufacturing it. And I also have his daughter's gravestone because um, his great <laughs> his great granddaughter wanted to be buried in the family plot that I tracked down. And the only way to do it because it, there's no more room was to kind of like. Disinter her, her grandmother Charles Kennard's daughter, and then bury her deeper, so that you know they could kind of stack um, people. And when they did it, they had to get rid of the stone because they got to put both names on it. So she said, "Hey, you know Charles Kennard's daughter is the one who kept all of this information that's really filled in the early beginnings of Ouija." We thought I thought maybe you would want the stone, otherwise we're just going to throw it out. So again. <laughs> Back to Baltimore, called my friends, loaded a gravestone. We're There's grave robbing out. again. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, boys. Another graveyard.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And,
3: and, and unfortunately, my friends are not. Like they don't blink an eye at it. it <laughs> tells me they might do that stuff normally, uh, which I don't want to know about. But <laughs> it was kind of fun.
0: Like, okay. you, you got a good group of friends there. Then mm-hmm. that's for sure. So, merch. I'm looking here at Ford's um, <laughs> footstone too, and I just realized, blowing the picture up here, he he must have been mm-hmm. a Freemason, right?
3: He was, yeah. yeah. Pretty much all of the um, originators of the Ouija board, but one were um, all Masons. Interesting. The other guy who who claimed to invent the board that would become Ouija and was a, a friend of Charles Kennard's, um, his name was E.C. Resch, and he was an odd fellow. Okay. But now that so that today that all sounds really like oh my gosh maybe they must have like there's some Masonic illuminati kind of yeah and, and right and right. there there probably is in the sense that they were all business people in Baltimore and that's probably how they all met you know it's right. like a gentleman's club right? right where they escaped their wives and you know smoked cigars and told stories and um, so it's, it's probably it's probably very true uh, I actually worked with the Masons to get their records uh, when they did it and and I can show that they were all you know, going to the same temples at the same time. So, um, yeah. you know, I'm sure it did have something to do with it. it they, all the people who were involved in the Ouija board were all well-to-do in society. Mm-hmm. So William Fold became a member of the House of Delegates, as well as, well as a, um, an inspector, a customs inspector, and um, the president. The original president of the company was a senator in Maryland, he was in the House of Delegates, and then he was in the House of Representatives, all while making Ouija boards.
0: Fascinating. <laughs> uh, our guest right now inside the creaking door is Robert Murch. Uh, just goes by merch though. It's still tough to just... Introduce you as merch. Like talking to you I can say, hey, merch, but introducing you, we got to go with the full name, Robert Merch. He is uh, the world's <laughs> foremost collector, historian, and expert on Ouija and talking boards. We're very excited, Merch, to have you with us uh, in Michigan this year in August for the Michigan Paranormal Convention. We uh, had you booked a couple years ago, uh, but it didn't work out, and we're so happy to get you here this year for sure.
3: Yeah, I'm really lucky. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, a couple of years, almost two years ago now, I had back surgery, right. and it has been a rough, um, two years, but I, I think I'm finally past that. Good. So, um, yeah, it'll be it. a lot of fun. I can't wait. Lots of good people are going to be there. I just looked over the list.
0: Yeah, and Chip Coffee being one of them. So yeah. I look forward to see what kind of uh, spirits you two will stir up <laughs> together. That's awesome. <laughs>
3: I, well, between the two of us, I'm guessing they're going to be pretty gay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> there doesn't need there doesn't need to be two. Just
3: Chip will handle that. So <laughs> we, we, yeah, we've been thinking uh, like yeah, you know, if you put two gay people too close, it's like a you know I don't know like a sun exploding uh, yeah, yeah. or something.
2: You, you just get that off of Chip as it is. So. Oh my we've god! We've been fort-
3: exactly. For- fortunate yeah. enough to It'll be, be like friends a, with a ring It'll yeah. be like a rainbow explosion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Glitter everywhere, right?
2: We, we, we've been exactly. fortunate enough exactly. to be friends with Chip for a number of years. and Yeah, yeah. Some of the worst jokes you could ever possibly imagine, I've heard, come out of that guy's mouth. Yeah.
3: And I he didn't. Is, look, it's true. He can outdo anyone. Yes, I have, he can. You know, even practice with uh, Jeff Belanger, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. also really good at this. Yes, and he is. Another good friend of mine. And yeah. he and I will try. We'll be like, all right, let's go over our jokes. Awesome this time. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get him. And no sooner do we lay the worst joke we can think of, he goes five steps further. And you're yeah. like, wow, too far, Chip. <laughs> you know, but it's awesome. <laughs> too
0: far. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So that's going to be great to have you in the mix this it, year for it sure. It will. It yeah.
2: will. And, and I know a lot of the attendees have already commented. They're so excited. And we've just been out there for over 100 years now. Yeah. And, and you you don't only collect board though, Merch. You also collect mm-hmm. stories and, and any type of historical articles along with it. What are some of the most bizarre stories or just things that have been handed down to you involving
3: the board? Uh, You know, some of the weirdest things um, that are not weird, but kind of coolest things are a lot of the personal artifacts from the people who were involved in it. So as I've gotten to know all the different families, they've all given me the only and original photos of these people that are there. So these people stare at me. Like, I put them all in the office. And you know, back then, they took pictures and no one looked happy. Never. Like, scowling yeah. off, you know? So they are all those things. But as you're researching, some of the weirdest stories are, you know, there are a bunch of Ouija murders, um, suicides, divorces, um, all kinds of bizarre things that people will use the Ouija board to Blame for their own really bad behavior, you know, like they So, like a couple of them are like one title was, uh, "The Ouija Board Told Me to Kill My Daddy, So I Did,"
2: yeah. and
3: the, the uh. behind that story, so this this girl takes a shotgun, shoots her dad. It takes him three days to die. Um, but what really happened was, is the mother was having an affair, and. She didn't want to get a divorce because you know why would you want to lose half of your stuff so Mm -hmm. you know you don't want to kill him. so you decide well i'll get my daughter to do it (laughs) so you play the ouija board you push it around the ouija board tells the spirits tell the daughter she has to do this the mother agrees the daughter does it so Uh through time a really neat thing happens that you know again you can say okay we're in 2017 so who would believe a Ouija board? But just recently, you know, in the last couple of years, there have been stories about a kid stabbed his best friend because the Ouija board told him to. A bunch of yeah. kids played the Ouija board and kind of all went like nuts. And then just recently a teacher used a Ouija board in a, a classroom and all hell broke loose. Yes, Literally, the parents freaked that. out. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's a story we so, covered. Yeah, that was... Yeah, it doesn't that change. Was a, like,
3: that was it, a, it, this is all... The, the same, same stories were happening in 1890 that are exactly happening today with the Ouija board no difference no change just a different date
2: well if I'm not mistaken that was a kindergarten class too that the teacher brought the board into at Halloween and they used it it, it was young I think it was kindergarten it was young children
3: yeah I mean like you know the one thing that you have to do in order to use the Ouija board is read you have to be able to read so I, <laughs> I'm assuming these kids were old enough to be able to you know spell something out but <laughs> i guess from this from the story that i read and, and kind of what we got into it at the talking board historical society was that the board had been there for a while like it had been brought in at halloween it had been sitting there for a while and then it, nothing had kind of come up at, at halloween time um but you know peach there were some teachers that were there later and the kids went to play it and then mm-hmm. that's kind of when the story took off and the teacher you know got in trouble and i think may have even been like a kind of a a crazy thing I, i'm not you know for all your listeners i'm a skeptic but i want to believe i want it all to be true um i just haven't had that experience especially having you know a thousand ouija boards in your house plus all this other stuff and You know nothing. I I wish you know I'd be selling tickets. I promise, if the (laughs) way to hell opens up, I and and I I will call you guys to cover it. (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate that. Um,
0: And I think that says a lot. I I think that says a lot, merch. When you can be surrounded, you are surrounded by the very things where one people will say one of those boards can destroy a person's life. You're surrounded by them. Some that have probably been used uh, quite a bit, Mm -hmm. uh, and and so they probably got some type of history, some type of energy. Not saying a haunted energy, just. You know they've had a history to them, but yet you're not experiencing anything. That says something.
3: No, nothing. It's like either they really like me because I preserve them, and you know, like mm-hmm. they they are not going to get destroyed or burned or whatever, buried. Right. Or, you know, they, they hate me and they're just like oh, we're not talking to that guy. Sorry. Well, what what is your <laughs> like? I don't know.
2: What is your feel on the the so-called zozo phenomena, the Ouija demon?
3: Well, you know, it's really interesting. I've known um, Darren Emmons kind of where that originated from the beginning because I I follow every kind of every generation has its Ouija board kind of story and and Zozo is ours. And, uh, you know, I, I followed it from the beginning. And the problem with it from a historical perspective is that it was launched so early on the Internet and we all know how quickly information shows up. So as soon as that story hit the Internet, People across the globe were reporting that they were getting in contact Mm -hmm. with Zozo. So it's hard to tell if if the seed was just planted by people reading the story or whether Mm -hmm. there's something really behind it. A lot of people claim it, but that's because, again, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, even the um, they did a supernatural board, you know, the TV show Supernatural. Right, right. Um, So so I I worked on that show on the second season, first episode, in my time of dying, they use a talking board to um, see him talks to Dean while he's in a coma. He's dying. So it was kind of a cool thing to do. But Hasbro and USAopoly, I think in 2014, also released their version of the the Supernatural board. It was a board that was used in an episode um, in Supernatural, and they left off the Z. Like, it was a, a bad mistake as far as like you know manufacturing, but of course immediately the the thought was they left off the Z, so you couldn't talk to Zozo, um, and that really spread. You know, like that became <laughs> like a real conspiracy theory. Right. That um, you know someone's graphic design mistake turned into a wow. You know, like revolt Ur- against Zozo. So. Ur- urban legend in the you making. Know. Yeah, exactly. It's foreign, right? There's no, And you can't put genies back in the bottle. Like the Zozo genie, it's out of the bottle. It's it's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. Um, you know, Rosemary Guiley and... Uh, mm-hmm. Um, Darren Evans wrote a book on the Zozo phenomenon All and right. that really kind of I think it was getting quiet and that kind of took it off again mm-hmm. um, I did an episode with Ghost Adventurers on the Zozo demon right. um, I remember that where they went back to that house mm-hmm. and um, so I mean I'm really I'm fascinated by its spread the problem is is once the internet's involved mm-hmm. it's hard to know which came first the chicken or the egg right because it moves so quickly
0: yep exactly Uh one thing I watched on the history or the um, mysteries at the museum episode, their merch, which I was I was completely enthralled with that segment because it, how much of that story that story was fascinating. I, I guess I'm not going to ask how much of it was true. Obviously, you know they're gonna they're not going to tell a non true story. But did they actually get one of the patents by using the board to convince the patent officer?
3: Yes, yeah, so, so. besides Helen Peters having been completely erased from history, it was about maybe a little more than five years ago I was working with the Baltimore Sun, the paper down there, and going through archives that had not yet been digitized. And just as we were literally flipping through, reading page by page um, in, on microfiche, was even worse, uh, I came across <laughs> a series of these letters in 1919, where all the originators write into the um, editor about how the Ouija board started. And of course, they're all taking more credit than they're supposed to. You know, each letter, it's kind of like, well, I'm the most important person. But the one thing they agree on is Helen Peters, who no one had heard of. There had never been a woman involved in the story. And how the Ouija board got its name and was patented. And so it's true. Um, After the Ouija board gave its name through Helen Peters, um, Elijah Bond, the man who patented it, didn't invent it. He Mm -hmm. just kind of improved. Took Charles Kennard's design with Charles Kennard, they went into business and he patented it. But the patent office wouldn't give a patent because they just couldn't believe it would work. They they said, and I, I worked with the National Archives to get the patent file. It was lost for like 17 years, and then wow. mysteriously turned up. And um, in it, it talks about how the patent office says no can do unless you come here and demonstrate it. And when I found. Helen Peters grandson who's in his 80s I interviewed him and I didn't tell him anything that we found out but he told me the story which matches what's in the patent file that they did end up going to DC and with Helen Peters at the board they just kind of kept asking questions and clerk after clerk just didn't want to put their name on it right they didn't want to be made fun of or maybe they were scared or they just were like "Uh uh-uh So, the head of the patent office uh, walks in pretty annoyed, according to (laughs) the grandson. Said, This is what my grandmother told me happened. And um, he said, Basically, you know, if if that contraption can spell out my name, you know, I don't know you, you don't know me, but if it can spell out my name, then you've got your patent. He's pretty annoyed, right? Like, I'm the head of the patent office, I don't really need to be in here. Um, But with Helen Peters at the board, It spelled out his name letter by letter. And according to the the family story, he turned pretty white and walked out of the room and said, you've got your patent. And indeed, the patent after a demonstration was given. Wow. Yeah,
0: I had never heard that story before. And that was fascinating to watch. Mm -hmm. It really was. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Merch, yeah. if you had to, do you have, out of your entire collection, do you have your favorite board? Either the way <sighs> that the, it looks or the story that's attached to it. Do you have one favorite one?
3: Well, that's what's hard, is because every board has a story attached to it. Sure. Um, I was just given. Uh, you know, um, last week by someone, uh, the first Ouija branded Ouija board. So it's before the patent's gone through, it's before the trademark's gone through, it's when it just got its name. And this guy bought it in Baltimore uh, at an antique store for a, a film that he was doing. So he used it as a prop and he posted it on Tumblr and Instagram. What's really weird is he posted it on my birthday a year ago. Wow. And a friend of mine was going through Instagram things and said, hey Bob, isn't this the board you've been looking for? Because I have boards before that and after, but I'm missing that particular one. And this guy was such so great that he just sent it. Like that day. Like we talked on the phone. He said, you know what? I've got 20 minutes before this UPS store closed. I'm just going to send it to you. Wouldn't take any money. Um, The thing's invaluable because there are very few of these early Versions, you know, kind of as it became Ouija um, that are there. And he just didn't care. He was like, no, nope, this board needs to go to you. It was meant mm-hmm. to go to you. So Fantastic. every one of the boards I have has these stories. I like the older ones, the ones where the story starts, but I, mean, I pick up every single one. I'm yeah. a junkie. <laughs> no, that's I'm sorry. fantastic. and am you know, a Ouija
0: junkie. It, 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 half the battle is admitting it, man. It really is. You know what's fascinating about about Ouija though, Merch, is it seems like for as, as many years now as you've been researching and, uh, and, and bringing the history back to life for Ouija, it seems like it's a never-ending story, like it's a rabbit hole. Like there's tunnels just mm-hmm. going everywhere that you just continue to find and research.
3: Yeah, you know, after 25 years, I, we found out more in the past, say, 10 years than we had at the 15 years before that. And, and that's the help of, you know, digitizing collections right. and me making connections, working with, like, the Library of Congress, the White House, because in 1886, a witch board made it to uh, the White House and was given to President Grover Cleveland as a wedding gift, and he received it at the White House. Wow. Cool. So when I discover these stories, you know, then I have to work with the institutions, and, you know, like imagine you're at the White House and you're the White House historian, very stuffy, kind of, you know, snobby job. Right, and you get this guy who calls up and who's like, hey, did you know there was a witch board used in an 1886? And, you know, they're like, <laughs> okay, um, who are you and what are you doing? And, and then they get to know me and then, you know, we do a lot of work. So now I work with the, uh, you know, one of my proudest, whenever I work with anyone, I ask for a letter of recommendation, kind of like if they would recommend me to work with someone else. And I think one of my coolest ones that I got was from the National Archives, which does not give letters out. But because I've done so much work with them and we have uncovered all of this through patents, trademarks, and stuff, they actually wrote me a great letter of recommendation about being a researcher and lecturer and stuff. So. It's uh, I'm just been lucky. I'm living the dream, you know. When your hobby and passion turns into more it's
0: awesome yeah no that's awesome man we couldn't be more happier for your merch and uh, we're gonna you know we're gonna wrap this up now you have uh, allotted us uh, more time than we asked you for and we couldn't be happier to have you inside the creaking door and so looking forward to having you here in August and I know the people who are coming uh, to be with us this year like Brad said are already pumped up to hear about uh, Ouija <laughs> from the man himself so uh, stay safe stay well out there sir and we will see you in August here in the UP of Michigan all right
3: awesome thank you guys so much for having me and I can't wait to you
0: in person. All right, there we go, everyone. That is Robert Merch. Merch, he is the world's foremost collector, historian, and expert on Ouija. We're going to take a break when we come back. More on the way from Creaking Door, powered by SlackJawPunks.com. your horror films, comic books, and TV shows served up with the side of what the then we have the place for you.
1: Slackjobpunks!
0: Yeah, slackjobpunks.com. We dare you to check them out. A podcast that focuses on all the new horror films, comic books, and TV shows and interviews with the authors and directors, but covered only the way the guys from
3: Slackjobpunks
0: can do it. Plus, you can enjoy written commentary on all of the new stuff too from a whole slew of staff writers. So stop wasting time and check it out. Slackjobpunks! Slackjobpunks.com. Serving it up with a side of what the fuck? Welcome back inside Creaking Door Paranormal Radio with Tim Ellis and Brad Blair. And man, I'll tell you what, Brad, again... uh Merch is one of those guys where first fascinating of all, he's fascinating, and the subject matter is so fascinating. When you take a guy who's a very, you can tell he's a compelling storyteller. Oh, I can't yeah. wait to hear him on stage. And you take a, a subject like Ouija, and you put that two together, you could just sit here all day and just listen to him. Oh yeah,
2: and even yeah. you know just the conversations we had off air with him too. Right, the, the guy's brilliant.
0: He really is, and uh, he's got the he's got the reputation now. Like like he was saying, you know, he's, he's he doesn't know how, he's, he doesn't know why, but he's blessed because Hollywood comes to him now for. Uh, the information.
2: People seek him out. And obviously, he's the one that we go to when we want to bring
0: somebody on with Ouija. Exactly. So So once again, we want to thank Robert Murch uh, for coming on Inside Creaking Door. And if you haven't heard our initial interview with him, again, probably a year and a half, if not two years ago now. It had to be two years back now. Yeah. You can find that in our archives. Still in the
2: archives at creakingdoorparanormal.com or on Mm -hmm. slackjawpunks.com at their archives. and iTunes, Stitcher, wherever uh, you can find Creaking Door Google now Google Play we're up there so So. all of those fun places
0: good stuff so yeah definitely go check out that interview if you enjoyed this one and uh, again make sure you join us here this summer in August because you'll get to see them uh, present live that's right and yeah. also we just added tim dennis from darkness radio
2: and beyond the darkness yeah we did He's uh, going to come in and do a presentation on conspiracy
0: theories I like that we've it, never had anyone talking we
2: haven't so that's again uh michigan paracon august 24th through 26th in sault st marie michigan a few other things we have going on coming up this fall uh, the chicago ghost conference That's in uh, October 6th through 8th, we will be presenting there. Looking forward to that one. Very much looking forward to that. Always a good show. Also, we just signed, I don't think we've even talked about it on the show yet. We haven't yet. Strange Escapes on Mackinac Island with Amy Bruni and crew. That is coming up October 20th through 23rd. If you go to strangeescapes.com, don't wait to get tickets for this one. This will sell Sells out, out fast. every time
0: within La- minutes.
2: Last year, this yes. this show sold out October. Uh, came in, it was early October last year. It sold out within seventy two hours. Yeah, which was amazing. It was a record for Amy. She couldn't. Now, I don't believe. know. Have uh, have uh, tickets actually gone on sale for that event yet? They are. You Uh-oh. can get them at Eventbrite. I know. I don't know that they're up on her site yet, but right. she had them up at Eventbrite, and I know they were selling fast already. So yeah. don't hesitate on that. Uh, another big event coming up that I'm going to be heading down to, maybe we'll do some live recording at that one as well, CryptidCon in Kentucky, coming up September 9th and 10th. And that's one that's uh, no no ghost stories involved in that, although I do believe Nick Groff is going to be hanging out with that one. And that, be a good one. And that's coming up with uh, everything from – bigfoot uh your flying cryptids everything else that you can get involved with outside of the realm of ghosts. that'll be at crypticon in kentucky that again september 9th and 10th
0: yeah so obviously busy uh schedule already amping up and here we are what we're just in april so yeah. lots of stuff coming up yeah, already
2: we'll have a lot of little regional things and
0: yeah always yeah. busy time of year the closer we
2: get to halloween but yeah starting in august uh you can find us all over the place so yeah. keep an eye on our social media and we will keep you updated
0: looking forward to it and if you need to get out ahead of us or a hold of us for any reason, too, for any event you've got coming up, again, find us on Facebook, the best way to do it. And that's also the best way to find us for mailbags. So right, let's go ahead and jump right into that right now. Of course, you can find us on Facebook, Creaking Door. Uh, we're the only one on there on Facebook, so find us there. Find our website under Creaking Door, and uh, easy to get a hold of us that way. But uh, our mailbag question this time comes from Brie out of Sarnia, Ontario, not too, too far from here. She's more downstate across. Uh, From the Port Huron, Michigan area. And uh, she actually had heard our last show. Brad that we did where uh, part of our uh, parent news was the those large wolves right. that were running alongside the cars and then we got into this discussion of wolf man and and, mm-hmm. or, and, and dog man and stuff like that well she heard that so she reached out to us uh, and and shared this and so, and we want to share it in our mailbag section talking about uh, as she were they were kids growing up and her brother encountered what he believed to be a large dog or wolf type creature uh, and it town known as Clearwater mostly surrounded by what uh, it would be force or brush. And she said, as kids, we used to go wander around in the brush. One evening, we were getting ready to head out to play, and my friend's older brother told us the tale of the werewolf that scared him and his friends away from the treehouse they were building. It spooked me to the core. I thought he had been just trying to freak us out. He told the story a few more times after that, and he never did go back into the brush to play anymore. We never thought anything of it after that. But as soon as i heard the tale on the show the other night that story and that day immediately came to mind it was sort of an urban legend amongst the kids for years about this dog man that lived in the area my parents always said it was likely just a big dog or a coyote he had seen i do know that the brush did have an eerie feel to it though but as kids that was just part of the enchantment being out in the woods the brush has all been but been cleared by now but she did say that her brother to this day, he just, he believes what he saw to be uh, more than just a big dog or a coyote. She said there also had been stories of a man who lived out in the brush. And we did often see things like little camp huts or uh, leftover fires of uh, what uh, many said to be this scary guy who lived in the woods. So just uh, kind of some uh, some local urban legends there. But again, just interesting how many stories of these dog man type creatures. Well, again, that. That's, that's something that I
2: never realized that this many were out there. I mean, when we were kids growing up, you'd hear all about Bigfoot, the hairy man living in the forest, right. but... Not so much about the dog man, and then mm-hmm. I, I guess it's, I, I give kudos to Linda Godfrey with the Beast of Bray Road. Right. That seemed to make things explode, and all of a sudden, all of these reports are coming in, not just in the Wisconsin-Michigan area, but throughout the country. Mm-hmm. It, it seems to be a big concentration in the Midwest, and that's where Linda's based out of Wisconsin, so right. naturally more of the stories. But wow, I just the amount of sightings of these upright canines, mm-hmm. and it's not the werewolf you see in the movies. It's not Underworld. It's not Lon Chaney Jr. coming after you. It most descriptions are it is something that looks like a large, oversized German Shepherd right. running on two
0: legs. Yep, exactly. And it you know, scares
2: the hell out of me. <laughs> it really does.
0: <laughs> and uh, we got quite a bit of feedback actually from that show, or even just talking about that in the show uh, last time here inside the creaking door. So I think it's time we uh, we get uh, Linda Godfrey back in and, yeah, and we're do overdue, an update. And,
2: and she just put out a new book uh, just late this past year. So it, it's time. Maybe yeah. uh, the next couple episodes we'll have to get give Linda. I'll get her back on.
0: There you go. So, well, that is going to bring us to the end of the Mailbag segment. And don't forget, you can reach out to us like Bree or anyone else has before. Just, again, go to our Facebook page and private message us or hit us up on the, the public uh, side of the page. It doesn't matter. And if you've got a question, a story you want to share like Bree did or anything, uh, we will uh, randomly pick our favorites uh, as we head into the Creaking Door for a new episode and share them during Mailbag. So, I think that's it, sir. I don't know uh, if we've got anything else to update. We've All talked right. about Paracon, we've uh, shared our paranoos and, and what a great show. of Merch, always a great yes. guest.
2: So looking forward. We have never met the man in person. No, we o- have not. Oddly enough. We so have not. And very he's... much looking forward to that uh, this coming Summer.
0: And I had no idea that he and Chip were so close. He and no. Chip coffee until this interview. So No, I did not either. So we would wait to get those two together and, oh God. and see how the weekend goes. So <laughs> looking forward to it. all right. Well, that's gonna bring us to the conclusion of another episode of Creaking Door, Paranormal Radio. Thank you for coming on inside. And on behalf of our producers, my co-host Brad Blair and myself, Tim Ellis. Thanks for coming in. This is Creaking Door, Paranormal Radio, powered by SlackjawPunks.com. I'm